everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Today, we're going to be asking a very simple question. How do we deal with crowds? And the reason behind this is simply, how do we handle growth? How do we handle success? If we believe that Jesus is calling us to a place of influence, then how we handle success matters. How do we handle life when things start to accelerate, prayers get answered, and miracles start happening? How do we handle these things? And so today, if you're new to our podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we do this every Tuesday, and we leave it up, and we just ask that we come together for a little while, and we just spend time over a cup of coffee or tea, hot chocolate, whatever it is, and we ask, how can we become more like Jesus? How can we reflect him into our world? So subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you find yourself on, uh, and let's dive into today's session. Again, today's question is, how do we handle crowds? How do we cope with crowds? Now, I'm going to read to you a passage that's quite famous. It's quite lengthy, so just stay with me, and then we'll unpack a few things out of it. So Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning at verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away on the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore and he saw the great crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he, Jesus, answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven said, and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve basketfuls full of broken pieces and of the fish. Now the context of this is the disciples have just come back from their ministry journey. Jesus sent them out uh, two by two to go out, preach, and take authority over any unclean spirit, bring healing. And they were living out the mission and vision of the gospel. I'm sure they'd seen some amazing things. And the beginning of this story we just read is them returning to Jesus. They're coming back with stories. They're coming back with testimonies. They want to debrief with the one who sent them. And it seems like Jesus invites them to have a rest, to come and rest a while. I love that moment because it's like Jesus says, come away with me and, and we can just chill and we can just catch up on everything you have seen and done. We can re-energize ourselves for a bit. He even suggests going to a place where there won't, there won't be any people because he knows Jesus has been connecting with crowds for so long. He's been connecting with people. And so he goes, let's go somewhere where the crowds won't be. Sounds awesome. And this for me is one of my dreams to just go away with Jesus to speak about a season of ministry without having people interrupt us. But often the thing about ministry is that it never stops. If you're in the season of success, having a break seems impossible. When they get to the middle of nowhere, they realize that people have gone ahead of them and their relaxing moment, their time with Jesus has been hijacked by the crowd. 
I don't know about you, but in this instance, I would have wanted Jesus to send the people away. But Jesus' heart is always for the crowd of people who are looking for him. The heart of Jesus is always for the lost. It is always for the searching, for the seeking. Jesus was always willing to make time for the crowds. Sometimes I think we come to church, we we come to Jesus hoping for a moment just with us and Jesus, and it can feel like it's been hijacked by crowds, by people, by success, by by influence. People want to talk to us. Sometimes we can come to the end of a week and the last thing we feel like doing is serving people. We just want a time with Jesus. The last thing we want to do is we that we want to engage with more of people. And yet Jesus, in, in, in that moment, we see Jesus, his heart is for the crowd. We come and we serve not because we have to, but because the crowds are important to the one who is important to us. Sometimes uh, th- this, can, this can be draining. Sometimes, like the disciples, you may be at the end of a tough season of success, and then you have to deal with the call of Jesus. You have to deal with something. You have to deal with increase. You have to deal with more success. And, and sometimes the greatest hindrance to success is our own tiredness. But here, what happens in this passage, in the midst of their tiredness, in the midst of their depletedness, Jesus invites them to be part of a miracle. Did Jesus need them to feed the 5,000? No, but he includes them in on the miracle. And often that's what Jesus does. When we're at our tiredness, when we're at worst, when we're at our empty, when we're at our depleted state, he invites us into a miracle. And so I want to just talk about a couple of things from the story. The first thing is that there is always bad timing with the crowds. So often success, often influence doesn't come when we when it's convenient. You know, Jesus seems to have the worst timing for th- things. He was trying to get away for 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 the disciples, but in the middle of their holiday, in the middle of their break, crowds arrive. And I want us to get our heads around something. Success is never going to come at a convenient time. Influence is not going to fit into our schedule. Crowds are not going to be sympathetic to our energy levels, nor is success. Success comes with demands and needs. Success brings problems, but success is also a symptom of growth. The question we have to ask ourselves in this passage is, are we more like the disciples or more like Jesus? Can we make time for what's in front of us? Or are we so tired that we want to dismiss what's in front of us? Sometimes in dismissing the thing that's in front of us, when it looks like an inconvenience, we miss a miracle. We miss the next level of success. We miss the next level of influence. And so we got to get used to bad timing. Second thing is uh, that the way Jesus deals with the crowd, the way he deals with greater levels of influence is he asks for raw materials. He says, what do you have? What do you have? Don't go outsource it. What do you have here and now to feed these people? And this is something that God majors on in scripture. God never asks for the finished product, but he does ask us to bring the raw materials and allow him to do what only he can do with it. And this is important for me because in learning how to deal with success, in learning how to deal with crowds in front of us, there is this moment when the crowd's needs can be met when we bring our raw materials to Jesus. Now, when we talk about raw materials, often we think about unfinished products. We think of components that make up the final product. And this is part of it. But I also have come to understand that raw materials can mean us when we're at our rawest. Jesus says to them, what do you have? And, and he's not just talking about the fish and the loaves. He's asking them, what do you have left? What faith do you have left? What, what energy do you have left? I know you're raw. I know you're tired. But can you bring your raw self 
to a place where you can still be serving others. I've gone through so many times when I've felt raw. I know what it's like to have a whole church waiting for you to preach. And inside you feel insecure. Inside you feel weary and depleted. I know what it's like when a church is waiting for you to deliver what they expect in terms of counseling or visits or whatever it is. And all you have is an exposed wound. All you have is an empty soul. When we feel insecure and lost, the crowds don't change their behavior or expectation. When we're exhausted, the crowd's success don't become understanding. Yet, it is in these moments when we are raw that we can bring the best and honor God and serve the crowds because it is authentic and real. Sometimes the raw material is simply a smile. Sometimes that raw material is a hello. Sometimes that raw material is just doing what's in front of you, meeting a need, saying goodbye. What, what, is that, what is that raw thing that's in front of you? The third thing that I love about this passage is the fact that Jesus was OCD. We know that God was OCD from Genesis chapter 1 because he separates light and darkness. He, he has an order to things. But Jesus made the people sit down in groups and he created a sense of order before he did anything. Now, what I'm not saying is that God only does miracles in order because there are some storms that he quietens right down. What I am saying is that where we bring a sense of order, where we can do our part to make sure things are excellent and run smoothly, we should. And here is the reason. Order doesn't make it easier for God to do the miracle, but it does make it easier for people to receive the miracle because you have removed obstacles that were in their way. When we help people find their parking spot, when we help people uh, make sense of their budgets, when we help people get a, a product or when we help people find a job, what we're doing is we're creating order so that they can find themselves in a place where they can receive a miracle. When we open our homes and make sure the environment is welcoming, we're creating order so that people can receive their miracle. Sometimes we can see the little things as just little things. I wonder how the disciples felt watching a crowd of about 10,000 spread out and sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. I wonder how long that process took. I wonder if they thought it was a waste of time because all they had was five loaves and two fish. What I do know is that after the miracle, they thought it was important enough to include in the accounts of the miracle. They thought it was important enough to record so that 2,000 years later, we would know that Jesus, before he did the miracle, told everyone to sit in groups. The last thing I want to say from this passage is, is something I learned from Erwin uh, McManus. Um, and uh, the, there are 12 baskets left over. Each disciple had a leftover basket to take with him. But who were the leftovers for? The disciples had eaten as well. It's the, the, the passage says that all ate and were satisfied. And this includes the disciples. The leftovers were not for the disciples because they had missed out. The leftovers were not for the disciples because they weren't there, they weren't present, or because they were hungry. What if the leftovers were for people who missed the moment but still needed nourishment? Part of navigating the crowd in front of you, part of navigating success that comes at a bad opportunity, part of navigating influence that, that isn't comfortable or, or that doesn't make sense, part of it is understanding that everything we get from it might not be for us. There might be people who aren't in the room. There might be people who aren't involved in the miracle, but who still need the nourishment from that miracle. 
And that's why our testimony is so important. That's why our story is so valuable because what we need to do is take our story, take that nourishment and give it to those people who weren't there to witness the event. And so you might go through a season of success where crowds after crowds come. What about those people that couldn't be part of the crowd? How is your success, how is the extra that you get going to not just benefit you and your family, but benefit those who couldn't be at the meeting? So I want to encourage you. We need to understand that there might be leftovers from the miracle that God's calling you to to deposit, to, to take with you so that those who weren't there might receive of the miracle. I know that there are many people who are going through seasons of great expansion and influence and success. And today, I just simply want to ask you, in the, at, the, at the end of a tiring season, when, when you feel like you've done enough, when you feel like you've earned your right to rest and stop, what then if God calls you to another miracle, another venture? The thing I love about this passage is that often when we think we're done, God has greater potential. God still sees things in us that can benefit the world. Sometimes when we get to a retirement age, God says, yes, but you can still be part of another miracle. Sometimes when we've built the company and we hand it over, God says, yes, but there's still another crowd that's hungry. Sometimes when we've built a great marriage and our kids are out the house, God says, yes, but there might be an orphan. There might be a baby that could still use a good home. What is God saying to you? Where is he calling you to a brand new miracle? And you might be going, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I'm depleted, I don't have anything left to give. And Jesus would say, well, what do you have? It might just be the rawness of your experience. It might just be the rawness of your emotions. And then God was saying, can you create an environment? Can you create order? And can you use your extra to impact the lives of those who weren't there at the start? God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear where people are still hungry. Would we never push the crowds away? Would we always have your heart for the crowds? Even when we are tired, emotionally depleted, God, would you help us to see crowds through your eyes? And God, I pray for each and every single one of us listening to this, who have achieved some level of success, who have received what they worked hard for. God, I pray that we would never then just rest, that we would never just build bigger bonds, but that we would always have eyes and ears open to see what the next miracle is that you're calling us to be a part of pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hope that's encouraged you and we will see you again next week, next session of Coffee with Jesus. God bless you everyone. Have an amazing day.